Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 114, He Kindly Stopped for Me. I am broadcasting live, well, live for me from the worldwide headquarters of the Gospel Underground here in Black Solo episode, episode 114, He Kindly Stopped for Me. We're kind of in a transition towards a new series, which will be on a human embodiment, which is coming in a few weeks. But before that, I wanted to hop on here and do a kind of simple episode that uh, is very important to me. And then at the end of the month, we're going to have a special guest on before we start our body series, a man named Randy Newman, who's written several books, one that I first encountered called Questioning Evangelism, has been very helpful for me in learning to talk to other people about faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Newman's going to come on with us. Jesse's going to bring him on and interview him here at the end of the month about his new book called Mere Evangelism, reflecting on the work and words of C.S. Lewis and how he might help us uh, share good news with others. We thought it was a good time uh, to do that interview before uh, beginning our body series because we just came out of right this reflection on goodness and justice and morality and how we might use those things right the existence of real goodness in the goodness of God as a way we might talk to others about Jesus Christ so today though guys our main topic is really on the subject of death now you may think well read it's a you know it's a beautiful fall day outside or well, why why do you want to talk about death well I remember back to I believe which was an 11th grade I think 11th grade AP English class or something like that that I came across a poem by uh, a lady named Emily Dickinson. Now, if you want to learn about uh, Dickinson, the Wikipedia is good. Obviously, you can read her poetry and writings in source. Um, the Apple TV Plus special going into season three, I don't know. It just seems like we're reading back ourselves into this person. I watched the first episode, Casey and I, and we did make it through the first episode of season one and realized it wasn't for us. But Dickinson was a kind of a, a person who was growing up in Puritanism in, uh, in New England. And at a young age, she was troubled with many things, and one of those things was death. And I remember reading this poem. Uh, I believe the title is, uh, Because I Could Not Stop for Death, He Kindly Stopped for Me. And there's all this imagery of kind of like uh, the personification of death, picking us up in a carriage and taking us somewhere. And that poem uh, begins this way, uh, Because I Could Not Stop for Death, He Kindly Stopped for Me. The carriage held but just ourselves and immortality. You can imagine, even back in that day, and certainly in our day, where we, we've got all these phones and stuff and social media and things taking our attention away, but you can imagine people hurrying to and fro, not thinking much about their own destiny, their own mortality, uh, their, the coming day, right, of our own own demise. That's, I mean, I think the Psalms in the Bible, I think it's Psalm 90 that says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. What does death have to do with wisdom and why am I talking about this with you today? Well, being a minister of the gospel in a family that doesn't have any other ministers, one of the things over the years that has brought me into some wonderful sometimes heavy, sometimes difficult, sometimes sad, uh, sometimes very gloriously happy circumstances, is being involved in the funerals of your own family. Now, 
it's one thing, right? If someone in your church, your congregation, as a pastor, you you want to love and serve well at funerals. It's a transition. It's a passing of life. It's very important, right, for both the one who's gone before as well as those who are living. But it's quite another thing to walk uh, through uh, the deaths of people who are very near to you. And so, in fact, the first funeral that I ever did as a young pastor, I believe I was 31 years old, was uh, the funeral for one of my cousins. His name was Joe. We called him Bobo. Uh, he was 42 years old when he died. And I d- ended up doing the funeral of his mother, one of my my favorite aunts, right? Uh, you know, six, six years or so after that. And so then last week, um, uh, another cousin from the same family, uh, Bobo's brother, uh, passed away, my cousin Sean, at 50. Um, and I was humbled, right, to um, be able to serve in small ways, both my my family as well as the process by which um, Sean was put to rest. And so he died overseas on vacation uh, with his wife. And so uh, our other cousin, his brother, went down to... Um, to try to figure out what to do with the body and getting everyone home. And so I had the honor to be called and uh, to spend some time on a phone. I pulled off the road um, to spend some time with my cousin and um, my cousin who had passed away, his wife, as they committed him to uh, the grave, so to speak. They had his body cremated. They're doing a remembrance of him this weekend. And I just I just felt honored um, to be able to pray with them. But at the same time, after I hung up the phone, I was left with this feeling. It, 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 it certainly sadness, uh, but more kind of this numbness of, of my goodness, uh, oh Lord, this is a, a person that, in many ways, as young kids, we we grew up doing things together, right? You know, you have those cousins that are similar age to you, and you get together at holidays, you get together in the summers, and we had a lot of laughs, uh, particularly with my mom and his wife just this past week when I visited with them about crazy stuff that we did when we were little kids, right? There were three boys in that family, two boys in my family, and we kind of rolled together. But all that came flashing before my eyes and thinking to myself, wow, um, someone that I grew up with is no longer sojourning with us on the earth. And so it got me thinking a lot and got me on here today with you, and I hope uh, that you um, tra- are tracking with me about why this is so important. You know, the, the Danish existential philosopher Soren Kierkegaard um, once said that life is best defined backwards and then lived forward. Some business people say begin with the end in mind, but here we're talking about life itself. What is the end of life? What is the destination? Where am I going? Where is the carriage heading when we think about life, death, and eternity? If we, if we, if we figure that out, if we learn about that, we might have wisdom now and then steer our lives in a certain direction, steer our ship, so to speak, in a way that might be beneficial to life now yet in the life to come. And so... um. 
A few years ago, I was teaching the Bible regularly at a church called Jacob's Well. Jacob's Well, we planted, we were part of a team that planted Jacob's Well in our living room in New Jersey. We were honored to serve that church as a pastor for eight years. And over those years, teach many things, right, in the scriptures. And I remember teaching one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. It's kind of Hebrew wisdom literature, kind of Hebrew philosophical literature that gives us wisdom about how life should work. And it's basically this grand experiment saying, hey, what if we get everything in this life? Money, you know, ladies, you know, all the females, males, whatever, manservants, you got your stuff, man. You got, you know, all the things that, that people desire here under the sun. What if you got it all? And this experiment was run by someone, uh, you know, called the preacher or Solomon, um, where he said, look, man, I did it all, and it, you know what? Life is empty. It's transient. It's like a puff of air. It's here today, gone tomorrow. In fact, if we want to be wise, it's not about chasing all this stuff. It's, it's looking to the one who transcends all the things God himself and living life in light of God and eternity. In fact, um, Ecclesiastes 7 is a stark reminder that death is coming for each of us and that we are wise if we listen in these moments. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 7. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death better than the day of birth. Now, you might think, I, I love the day of all my kids being born. But this is about wisdom and how might we learn what life is really about. Ecclesiastes 7.2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end, right? The, begin with the end in mind of all of us. And the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness the face of face the heart is made glad. You see, there's a reality that if we face the dark difficulties of life, including death and suffering, and we kind of find the face of God in that, there's eternal gladness and joy ahead. So we need to be wise, for the heart of the wise is in the house of the morning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools, right? We love to you know, surround ourselves for the party with a bunch of fools, for as the crackling of thorns under a pot, you know, you throw dried up thorns in a fire, temporary, goes away. So is the laughter of fools, and this is also vanity. Ecclesiastes would tell us we should take it to heart when we have the opportunity to pause and consider our own end. In fact, the end of Dickinson's poem completes uh, itself with this, Since then, tis centuries, and yet... Feels shorter than a day. Life is going quickly, y'all. I first surmised the horses' heads were towards eternity. In other words, we are heading to some eternal reality, and we ought to care about this. So for me this week, guys, and I hope for you as well, because we do not typically stop for death, I do pray that God may stop you, may stop me, and have us consider the arc of life that bends towards eternity. Now, one of the things over the years I've come to love about Jesus is that, quite literally, the, the Creator God became a human being 
the theological doctrine, we say the incarnation, the putting on of flesh, right, of God. And that not only just to kind of show up on earth and do some tricks and maybe get a big crowd, throw some concerts, look really cool, that's not what Jesus came to do. In fact, he came to demonstrate to us in the flesh who God is, how God cares, and God's purposes to forgive and save people who are deserving of judgment for our own sins, right? And to give us a new destiny and a new life, eternal life, not that comes from our own decisions, but comes from the grace of God. And this God become flesh in Jesus Christ obviously uh, came to us in the most uh, humbling of circumstances, born in a house where you keep keep your animals, right? Um, taught with people, lived as a man of the people, cared for those who are downcast and oppressed, cared for those who were uh, oppressed by demons and sickness and all the difficulties and travails of life under the sun. But he also showed up at these wonderful passages and transitions of life, two of which are in the Gospel of John. John chapter 2, Jesus' first miracle takes place at a wedding feast, right? A wedding feast, big party, a celebration of a new family being formed, hopefully new children someday, perhaps in the future, should God give those gifts. And at this occasion, Jesus shows up, and the people had had such a great time. They'd consumed all the, the wine that was brought by the host. And this was a, a, a situation that was, would have been embarrassing for the host, and Jesus cares about them. He literally turns water into wine, and the guests think that the host saved the best wine for last. And Jesus, in practical ways, loves these people. And not only at the celebratory times of life, Jesus in John chapter 11 shows up at a funeral. Not a funeral of just anyone, but one of his close friends, Mary, Martha, two sisters, their brother, Lazarus, had passed away. And the story's in John chapter 11. And as I close with you guys today, I'm going to read this story to you because I want you to enter into this narrative with me and stop for death today and see if Jesus cares. This is John eleven seventeen and forward. Now, when Jesus came, he had found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated at the house. Martha said to Jesus, and I think we all can hear ourselves in this plea, right? Martha said to Jesus, Lord, have you had been here? My brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's thinking eternal, right? It's good perspective. And Jesus said to her, and I think he says to us, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live and everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God who is coming into the world. You see, Jesus gives a framework and context to this sad occasion that there will be resurrection, that with Jesus on the scene, he can intervene about even the most serious of circumstances, even our own 
death. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? Now, next we see a little bit of the heart and character of Jesus. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him as well. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were in her house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary had come to see where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You ever feel like that before God when someone dear to you dies? Lord, why? Why why this? Why now? And Jesus saw her weeping. And those who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And then some of you may know the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he have not, could he who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone was laid against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said, Did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? So he took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of those standing around that they may believe that you sent me. See, every miracle that Jesus ever did was to testify to his divine mission and identity. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Now, wouldn't it be an amazing thing friend, if our own death, at our own mortality, Jesus would say, unbind him, let him go. You see, the promises of the gospel, the promises of Jesus Christ are not small. They are very big. In fact, one gentleman who understood this was the Apostle Paul, one of the early leaders of Christian movement, right, in the first century. And he wrote to some of his friends, he says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. But we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, this body that dies, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now here, what only a Christian person can do who understands the end, who understands his own resurrection, who understands the power of God to raise the dead, what only a Christian can do, this man Paul talks trash. He talks junk to death. 
Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory, right? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, strong, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is never in vain. Here's the promise of the gospel. And I hope you stop today and you hear it. Maybe you'll share this with someone else. Say, hey, check out this podcast. Take a pause today to think about death. Only the Christian gospel teaches that when we die, we don't become another creature. We don't become another thing. We actually persistently stay ourselves we will be persistently alive either with god or separated with god for eternity now here's the challenge guys Uh, maybe death isn't stopping you today maybe god the lord of life and death is stopping all of us right now today to ask us are we trusting fully that's what faith is are we putting our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who has risen from the dead and who can raise the dead, ourselves included. If you're not trusting in him, why not? Why not today? Uh, The Bible says now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Put your hand in his hand and allow God to guide us into eternity, not some grim reaper image of death. This is why the modern hymn by... Keith and Kristen Getty has become so dear to so many Christians. It ends with some of the greatest promises, right, that we can believe that are fully and finally secured by Jesus Christ. It says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry that day of birth till final death that day of mourning, Jesus commands my destiny into an eternal gladness and joy and celebration reserved for the saints of life. Jesus said it clearly. He said to us, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he die. And I ask you, friends, as he asks us today, friend, do you believe this? Put your trust in him today. The Gospel Underground podcast is a joint production in partnership with the Bonhoeffer House and Jesse Fury. Review us on iTunes. We take five stars. Share this with a friend. Please share this episode with a friend. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up right here on the Gospel Underground podcast to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture, between life and death, between mortality and immortality. And we ultimately want to see you there. Thanks, friends. Thanks for tuning in.